It's good to be with you. I've been looking forward excitedly to being back here in the United Reformed Church. And uh, many of you will know my face because I've been working uh, in the village now for some seven or eight years. Uh, and we've had some good fun. We've had some challenges. And uh, the Lord is at work. And that's what matters, isn't it? How are we? Okay. Cautious now. I was going to say I'm very excited, but maybe that's going against the grain. Um, I'm always excited, right? aren't you? I can never understand Christians that aren't excited. Because we're, we're ex- thank you, brother. I'm excited to think that the Lord is coming back. I'm excited to think that he's given me a ministry. I'm excited to think that the sun's shining. I'm excited to think I'll wake up tomorrow. And I'm excited to think every time I breathe, my breath will go in and I'll carry on working. Amen. And that's just the start of it. You've got to go through it to receive it is uh, what I've given a a loose title. And anyone that knows my preaching well knows that everything is fairly loose. I, I, I've been learning over the years of preaching to try and listen to God as I speak. Now that's, for anyone that's married, that's quite easy to do. If you're obedient to your wife, you learn to listen while you speak because you might need to change something that you were about to say. <laughs> Things don't always look the same as we think they are. Isn't that true? One of the greatest examples that I was reminded of the other day is fine. I've uh, travelled quite a few times in Uganda where everybody's fine. People in Kenya when we met them were fine. People even in Romania, and you'll have a great time. Avril and I were there a few years ago. Uh, Everyone is fine. In church we're all fine. Isn't that not true? We are all fine. But the true definition of fine actually helps us to understand who these people are. Fine. If you take the words F-I-N-E, it means fearful, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. That actually sums up many people when you meet them of how fine they really are. In ministry, you will soon learn, when you do door work, you will soon learn that the, uh, the, the man who has the problem uh, with you being on their doorstep and are angry, if you delve long enough, you will find that all of these things are in his makeup. All of us. We're all insecure at times. We're all fearful at times. And we know the scriptures say, do not fear. But there's lots of scriptures that say lots of things and we can speak them out, but we can't live them. Is this not true? I love this story for many reasons. I've got to tell you, uh, the whole of this chapter 9 is an amazing chapter and there are so many avenues I could go down. But uh, we want to get to communion at some point today. I don't want to frighten you, but I was in uh, High Wycombe last week and I was due to finish speaking at quarter past 12 and we actually finished the service at half past one. So... um, That's not an excuse for you to run away. That's just a a precursor to say that when God moves, my goodness, we move also. Amen? When God is on uh, about his business, you might be worried about what's in the oven, but God's worried about what's in your heart. And he'll deal with it. And if it's not in your time, it'll certainly be in his. Amen? 
Are you with me today? Now you're all petrified. I'll close in prayer and you can all run away. (laughs) We can have wrong perceptions of everyone and everything. Doing door-to-door work, living a normal life, being in a supermarket, being anywhere in life, you see a situation and very quickly you you draw your conclusion to what's going on. But actually when we get beneath the surface, we find that there's something more, yeah? Sayings, uh, everyday sayings. You notice here that they're saying, because this man is blind, he must have sinned. Or his family must have sinned. Or there must be some situation he can't just be blind. We live like that, don't we? You must have done this because this has happened. Now, in some cases, that's true, but not in all cases. Everything's not as we first see it. We have many sayings that we wouldn't wouldn't peg our life upon. There's one saying that always always through my life, uh, even as a non-Christian, used to make me laugh. We've just had the anniversary of the Olympics, and I can remember being, I used to run the mile, anything, the mile and onwards. I ran the London Marathon, because I liked the distance. But people used to say, good luck, go and break a leg. Now let me tell you, that's a strange thing to say to somebody who's about to run. Break a leg. Why on earth, with someone that you like, would you say break a leg? Unless, of course, you were a surgeon. In private practice, maybe. Someone's birthday. This young man here, it might be his birthday. And I say, come down the pub with me. Have a drink. Good health. And he dies of cirrhosis of the liver. These are things we say. Good luck. What on earth does good luck mean? Who is this lady luck? I've never met her. Have you? I know more about God than I do luck. Praise the Lord. Notice this man is blind because why? He's blind. But we want to rationalize. We want to bring a reason for this blindness. So then we can point the finger. But no. He was blind because God had brought it to be that way. So that eventually in this man's life he would give testimony to how God had given him sight. Amen? You you can talk to me today. I prefer you talk to me while I'm up here rather than after the service because what you've got to say might not be all that good. In verse 3 we see what it says. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Amen? He was blind because God had ordained him to be blind. And he would find his sight when the Lord ordained his sight to be there for him. His testimony was to be, a man healed me. What's your testimony? What's your testimony? 
What is the very thing that you would say to someone out there when they say, why on earth have you been in that church all morning? What is the very thing that you would say? This man would say, I was blind and was healed by Jesus, and I want to be excited about this. What is your testimony? What has God done in your life? We've all been blind at some point, have we not? Spiritually, completely blind. Even many that go to churches are still blind. Because the truth has not been revealed to us, or we've not received the truth, or we have a great love affair with religion. Many, many, many people say to me on the doors, I don't like religious people. And I have to say, nor do I. (laughs) I can't abide religious people. I love God's people. I love God's church. I hate religion. Because religion is not what faith is about. It's what man has made it. Notice here, in verse 4, now this is the bit where we all get a bit irky. It says, uh, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Who sent Jesus? Yeah? Who sends you? You can speak. God. That's a good start in a church, isn't it? <laughs> Go down the pub. Who sent you? Oh, Bert said there was a free drink. Who sent you? God. How does God send us today? He sends us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen? Yeah? Talks of day and night. That's simple, that in the daytime you can see, and at nighttime you can't, you bump into things, so we're now all blind like this man before he went to the pool. Yeah? But it also talks about a time of light now and a time of darkness to come. What's that darkness? You'll either be in heaven or you'll be in hell. A decision will be made. You will either give your life or you won't. It's talking about these things. Are you with me? Verse 6. I don't know how you find verse 6. I was really, 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 really thrilled to see Mo Farah run yesterday, weren't you? That man's not human. But I hated the bit where he spits at the end. Now, I've run the marathon. I know you get dry and all of that sort of stuff. But that bit kind of upsets me. So when I read, and Jesus spat, you kind of go, ugh. Don't you? And then I was thinking, well, maybe that's related to to animals. Because animals, they lick their wounds, don't they? And there's some sort of healing going on. But I believe that's more about the cleansing of it than it is the saliva. But he spits, and then what does he do? He makes some mud. Now let me tell you, if there's anybody in this room today that has a problem with their eyes, if I came to you and said, I have a nice bottle of Optrex, and I'd like you just to use this, you'd be very pleased. Would you not? But if I came to you and said, I have a nice bottle of Optrex here, but first, I'm going to make some mud. And then you can apply this to your eyes and everything will be great. Is that true? Would you be as excited? Would you queue up? No, you wouldn't. Come on. 
But the symbolism is amazing, because where did the spit come from? You didn't know it was going to be question and answer time, did you? Where did it come from? And what was Jesus? What was Jesus? He was a man. On earth, he was a man. The saliva came from a man. The spit went to the soil. Where did Adam come from? Ah, are you with me now? So we have this symbolism of man and of God, of creation. The whole thing is all packed together in this one, one tiny story. The symbolism that that Adam was formed from the dust of the ground. Was it the saliva that healed the man's eyes? No. Was it the mud that healed the man's eyes? What was the next thing he had to do? Now, you would think if you come to your doctor, okay, and you've sat in the waiting room and collected two or three other diseases that you'd never had while you're waiting to go in, because there's no point seeing your doctor with a, the flu or, or just some kind of minor. You want to go in there with a whole wodge to get your money's worth because you might not see your doctor for another year. But when you get to your doctor and he says, take this, you'll be healed. He took the spit, he took the mud, he applied the mud to his eyes. Should that not be good enough? But he told him to do something that every church hates to hear. And what was that word? Go. That's the worst word in any church service. Go. In, in English language, but. When you hear the word but, you know there's a problem. But this is go. Because go means doing something. I love it, you know, in the Bible it's so well constructed, isn't it? Four Gospels, yeah? Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Then there's Acts, which means doing something. Then you've got Romans. What does Roman mean? To Rome means to walk about, means to go. It's all there. I didn't make this stuff up. Did the saliva heal him? Did going to, to Siloam, did that heal him? There's a lovely little bit in the word there, Siloam. It means to be sent, doesn't it? But Siloam, how do you spell soil? Somebody tell me, what's another word for, for soil? Dirt, no, dirt. Earth. Loam. I don't know, I just threw that in. It's loam, isn't it? So you could say sigh, liva, loam, spit, and soil. I don't know. Did he know where this, this water was? He'd been blind from birth. How did he get there? How far away was it? These are all the questions we'd be asking, aren't they? And why? Because they're all to sidetrack us from what had happened. The ha- what had happened was a miracle. You notice further in this story, and part of which we didn't have read, was there was this whole thing as, is this really the man? And there's, did you really get healed? And all of this takes your mind away from what had happened, that God had been at work and the man was healed. Amen. Church, I warn us, keep our eyes on what God's doing and testify of what God's doing, because the more we testify, the more God will do. Amen. 
The more we stand and give testimony, the more we will see. Was the healing in the, in the spit? No. Was the healing in the mud? No. Was the healing in the, in the water? No. None of those things healed him. God healed him. But as human beings, we want to say, now if I take my spit, God's soil, and put somebody in the water, they will be healed. Now we have a recipe for healing. Now we can do it. Because we want to control our circumstance. But it was God that brought the healing. Those three three things were important. To show the obedience of the man. Can you imagine being that blind man? Can you imagine? There he is. And there's a man. He doesn't even believe that he's the Messiah. Did you notice that? He said he thinks he's some prophet. But I think it's in verse 35. Somewhere around there. Let me look. Jesus heard. Yeah, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? What is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So he wasn't even in our parlance born again to receive his healing. He received his healing because he trusted the man that came to him. Amen. Are you with me today, church? But he had to go through it. He couldn't accept the spit. Oh, that'll do. Or I'll have the spit in the mud. Or maybe I'll miss the spit in the mud and I'll go for the water. No, he had to go through it. And he had to go through it in a place to which he was sent. Siloam. You know, so many people I meet in my ministry that are in churches... And when they first go to the church, it's the most wonderful church. I tell you, the leaders are wonderful. The worship group are wonderful. The pastor or the leaders, they're just so wonderful. Everybody made me so, feel so welcome because you were a new face. But as the years go on, as the months go on, as the days go on, you're not Mr. Popular. You're not Mr. New Person. And they start to get a little bit disgruntled. They start to see the cracks. But it's that that God wants to work through you. Because let me tell you, as you see those situations, people see those situations in you. When you come to that church, you're the best thing. Amen. God's heard our prayers. Our ministry's wonderful. We've outreached. And in comes this stranger. But after a few months, you find out this stranger wasn't actually exactly what you were kind of praying for. He had a few areas in his life which were probably best left in the vestry. And to use a common parlance, that guilt goes off the gingerbread. Doesn't it? Suddenly, I don't like that church. You know, nobody says hello to me. I I just kind of sit there and nobody speaks. And suddenly, they're gone. Let me tell you, in all healing, we have to go through a process. And if God sent you here, not that you just wandered in, but God sent you to this church, then he sent you here for a purpose. And some of it will be wonderful. Some of the speakers will be wonderful. Some of the songs will be wonderful. But some of the ministry will be tough. 
Some of it will be hard and you'll want to escape. But if you want the healing, if you want the blessing, you have to go through the, the place of your sending. You have to go through Siloam. Are you with me? You know, when Joshua walked around the city walls, he was crash hot. He could have just wandered around, quick prayer, and the walls fell down, job done. Now what, Lord? But no, he had to do it seven times. And can you imagine? On the sixth time, do we really have to keep going around these walls? For goodness sake, just pull the walls down. Let's be done with this. Naaman. When he went into the, into the lake for his healing, seven times. Not once like this chap. Healed, done, seven times. Did he go over seven days? Can you imagine? Have I got to go down there again? This water is so foul, I'm not going. But he had to go through it. Sometimes, church, we have to go through it. Amen. But let me tell you, the blessings that come out the other end are awesome. Ooh, what was that? Thunder. Notice the keys to all of this. The blind man's obedience. Our obedience. Hearing God. Knowing God. Following God. There is no shortcut to the glory of God. We have to go through it to receive it. It's difficult for us. Notice, when that mud went in his eyes, that would, there's, there's grit in mud. Imagine that in your eye, along with spit. God showed me a, how are we doing? Uh-oh. <laughs> Want to get communion. God showed me a picture years and years ago. Not that many years. Uh, thanks for singing that song, by the way, The Lord is My Shepherd, the new version. To show how long I've been a Christian, that was, that was, I was a brand new baby Christian when that came out. So that shows it's not that long. But I remember going to the Welcome Baptist in Heathfield and saying, I've heard this song. I was driving in my car and I heard this song off a, off a cassette. And it just blew me away. I had to pull over in a gateway and just sat there and sobbed when I first heard that song. And I took it to the church and I said, I don't suppose anybody's heard this. And they adopted it. And I always think, so I'm so pleased to sing that today. Thank you. But God gave me a vision. I was at Christian Viewpoint for Men. I don't know whether any of you have been involved with that. But I was just there at the conference. And God gave me this picture. And this picture was one of a footpath. We all know, living in Linfield, we all know about footpaths. And very often on footpaths, after a gale or some lightning or whatever, a tree might fall across the footpath. And this footpath is, is now, the tree is now laying over, so you have to go round the tree. But it's in a man's field. So actually, you're, you're now trespassing to go round the tree. But that's what everybody does. Everybody goes round the tree. And after some years, the tree dies and it's all there and it's covered in briars and all that stuff. But we all go round and we assume it's the footpath. But actually, we've taken a shortcut. We're trespassing. And God showed me this picture so clearly. He said, as a Christian, John... As a Christian, if it means you have to get the chainsaw out, if it means you have to go a different route altogether, do not go round like the world. Do not go round and assume everyone does it so it's right. 
He said, follow the straight line. Follow the narrow path. And that's what I've tried to do. I fail very often. But that's the way. One of the problems we have in our Christian life is when it comes to healing... Uh, I'm going to repeat Naaman now. If you remember when Naaman went and he wanted to see the prophet Elijah, didn't he? And, and the servant girl came to the door and he was perplexed. Surely Elijah would come and see me. And, and the problem with his thinking was the fact that he thought. He thought that's how it would work. He thought that's how it would be. I've written down here. I thought it would be this way or that way. Well, this is not as I imagined. This is the problem with us. You cannot allow your mind or your thinking to get involved in the healing process. The way God's going to do it is the way God's going to do it. And it's not about you. It's him. It might be great, instant, wonderful. Give testimony. It might be problematic. It might hurt. Still follow what the Lord says. You have to go through it to receive it. Amen. I've got two readings. I don't want you to turn to these. I'm just going to to read them to you now, if I can find them. Two readings that will help, and then uh, I'll draw you. uh, We've got a song first, don't we? And then go to communion. Okay, these are very quick. I'm just going to read them. This is John 8, 28. So Jesus says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. And that's just the same for us today. Sitting here, we do as the Father tells us. It's not of us. And the second one, I just want to emphasize these words. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is what sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Church, I bring these words to you because I feel now you're in a position where I think Charles has now left, hasn't he? You know, it's a time of of the body pulling together. And there will be some difficult times the storm waves will come but it could be the time of testing it could be the time of you growing in who you are i bring this message to you because it's the only way i found in my ministry that i've grown to trust the lord amen